Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Hello and welcome back to a losing edition of the Warriors Plus Minus podcast. I should I said Plus Minus, really Warriors All 82. Plus Minus will be coming Wednesday night this week, but they lost, so I got to get Ethan Strauss on the line. Mm, the king of losers, I think some have called me. Uh, here to assess it with my rich history of losing. Um, yeah, that was a that was a bitter taste in the mouth that that particular game right there. Um, it's a bad loss. It's a bad it was. Loss. It was, uh, they lost 12 games now, 12 and 12, a very representative 12 and 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, to- in total, a plus two on the season. <laughs> uh, but I would say that was maybe not the worst of the 12 losses, but I could hear an argument that it was the worst of the 12 losses. It was definitely on that bottom tier, uh, considering I don't think the Spurs are that good. I know the record says they're better than they are. Yeah. And then there was just moments and oh. just situations. They should have won. They just should have won. Uh, yeah, Bob, Bob Fitzgerald really playing up how it's a house of horrors down there in San Antonio. It's just so hard to win. And I, I just don't I don't really buy it. The Tim Spurs, Duncan does not exist on the roster anymore. Yes, he's Tim Duncan's not walking through that door. Manny Ginobili's not walking through that door. Tony Parker's not walking through that door. Uh, the guys walking through that door are very beatable. And it seemed like they really beat themselves. And it wasn't a low-effort game. You know, they had they, they played with a great pace a lot of the time, but a lot of the turnovers are just just mystifying. And then also add in that they, they miss some shots they usually make. I think uh, Damian Lee comes to mind with a few of those. Uh, Wanamaker is just at sea right now. Um, and- he struggled. Yeah, yeah. It's we it's should like, get to the ending first before. Probably, yeah, let's start with the end because that's where the controversy is, isn't it? Right. The, yeah. Uh, the 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 Carlton Banks three pointer is what you want to discuss. Yeah. Oh man. Um, well, so they're they're originally down one, similar to Dallas, uh, another you know gut punch loss where Maxi Cleva hits the the you know big three to put them, Dallas up four. This is a situation. There's a little bit more time left. Murray does hit a back breaking three. Um, but they have a larger chunk of time for Steph to hit a big three, which is kind of the forgotten play here to get it back to one. DeRozan hits two free throws, so they are down three with eight seconds left. 
And Bob Fitzgerald, even on the broadcast, goes, well, Greg Popovich does not foul in these situations. Post-game, Steve Kerr goes, we know the Spurs don't foul. You know, some coaches now do the mm-hmm. up three foul, make it a free throw game. Um, Popovich known for not doing it, although Draymond Green post-game says Popovich does do it. So there was yeah. obviously a mix-up there. Um, and Draymond Green catches it, which, you know, we can blame. It looked like kind of a mix-up on the inbound. I don't know that you ever even wanted the ball going to Draymond there, maybe. No. Um, but with six seconds left, Derek White does come at him pretty aggressively. I could see why he might have thought in a frantic moment Derek White's coming to foul. But he chucks up, like you said, the Carlton Banks 40-foot heave off the backboard. Um, and it's like almost a jaw-dropping way to lose for yeah. a guy who is known for making some of the smartest plays late in games. Well, as he said, it was the smartest dumb play ever, or the smartest dumb play ever, as yeah. I described it. And it looked a lot worse than it was as far as the thought process going into it. And he's anticipating something that happens, and we've seen players outsmart themselves this way. Chris Ball famously... Did you cover that series? Were you covering that series with Chris Paul? Yep. He threw. He basically threw away uh, the the golden opportunity for the Clippers right there by by doing that. And so it happens to smarter players, and you can almost pull the chair on them. And I I, I don't even know if it's worth dwelling on too much. I thought it was interesting that he said he should have just taken the foul in a regular way. I don't think that's what he should have done. I think he should have been racing towards Steph to DHO that thing. But easy for me to say from my couch. Um, well, I yeah. think you know what maybe played into it a little bit too is like he's probably worried about the free throws in general at that point because if they do foul him, the guy had just missed two free throws. So he wants you're saying so he wanted it's so he's counterintuitive like, I, because usually it's a guy doesn't want to shoot free throws. He doesn't want to get fouled. In this case, it's, man, I need three shots at this. Yeah, it's like, give me as many opportunities as I can here. Um, I mean, maybe that's a thought. Where you're correct is like what, you know, like there's so much more to like actually discuss about the loss and where they are right now than Draymond Green making a mistake. I mean, he made a very big late game mistake, but you know, you go back to the Toronto game this year and he maybe defended a late game play better than I've ever seen anybody. Um, so it's give and take there. Um, the loss in general, what sticks out the most to you? Uh, what sticks out the most? I think the sloppiness with the ball sticks out the most. The squandering of everything Steph is giving them is what sticks out from the last two games, that he has been just brilliant, incandescent. And even when he's not scoring in bunches in this game, he, I mean, Popovich is one of those take away their left hand or take away their right hand coaches where he is going to not be subtle at all in trying to remove your strength and was devoting so much more attention to Steph uh, than Steph was seen against Dallas. I mean, I feel like if Curry played the Mavericks every game, it would be, he'd average 45 points. Um, So with all that attention, they were using it to get all of these layups, as Kerr was saying, um, and yet just through not being sharp and not being focused it seemed at, at at times they're just they're just throwing it away and that's why this is a frustrating game they really seemed to to have beaten themselves and it seems like the other thing i'm taking away is that steph seems most frustrated of all i mean did you get that from the from the post game interviews because yeah. that's what i got he does this not, thing not... When, when he's mad he he laughs he, he does a weird kind of grimace laugh when he's mad and we got a little bit of grimace laugh in this post. Yeah, I was trying to poke a little bit. Um, <laughs> but 
I mean, not just the to me. Like, remember after Murray hits the three? Uh, I don't know what broadcast you were watching, but they just keep the camera on him on the bench, and he's just sitting there stewing. And yes, that's that's the competitiveness within him. I would just say this: he, if you just take this I last week, yeah. if you just take this last week, um, which I will start at the Celtics game through this first San Antonio game, including both Dallas games. That's a four-game period, which is usually about an NBA week. He has been the best player in the NBA this week. Yeah, and they're one in three. Yeah, um, and I think that's getting to him a little bit. They lost in the night. He scored fifty-seven. They lost in a night against the Celtics where he went like 38 11 eight, and then they lost tonight when when he was again the best player on the floor. Um, and within that, what we're seeing the last couple games is the problem we thought they were going to have early in the season, which they didn't because they were were struggling when he was on the floor because of that starting lineup issue. Well, that's off the table right now. They're struggling when he sits. They were mm-hmm. plus three again tonight when he was on the floor, minus eight when he wasn't, which brought up the conversation I was, you know, I'm writing about tonight. It's like, do they give, you know, do they bring him back in at the nine minute mark of the fourth quarter, at the eight thirty mark, instead of staying, you know, stringent with this six minute mark tonight? It was five thirty, um, and perhaps they lost a game or two because they just won't go over 35 ish minutes for him, and Steve Kerr. Had a pretty. I'll read you the explanation after I get your take on it. But I, you know, Steve Kerr is basically saying, like, eh, the season doesn't really matter. We're not going to burn him out. Yeah, that was interesting from Steph. He knows what the season is about. I think is the thing Kerr said, which is, I don't know if that's a startling admission, but it's an interesting admission for a team that has an opportunity to be mid-table in the postseason. It's it's real. I mean, I don't think anybody can think that the Warriors have a chance to win the championship. So there's that's that's real but you you don't often hear coaches talk like that in this situation what was interesting from Steph um was how annoyed he got at those questions and he effectively tried to shut them down by saying look there's something wrong if I need to play 40 minutes to win these games you know that's the that's the problem and um I'm paraphrasing some of it but it's these other teams do what's needed to execute to where their players don't have to play 40 minutes. We're not doing that because we're not those good teams. And he kind of said it explicitly. I mean, he kind of left it up to interpretation at first, uh, saying that the good teams do it. And then he added, and we're not there yet. And so he is, he is, and, and it gets curious because you wonder where the frustration points are. And I do think there's a little bit of, Ubre in there who has started hitting his shots right and he's hitting his shots and it's just it's a funny thing to watch because Kelly Ubre is hitting his shots and he's giving them great energy and effort on defense and he just also is endlessly frustrating all at the same time and I, I I that's what I'm wondering about is Steph just frustrated with the results is he frustrated with specific players is he just frustrated with the situation whatever it is he is is not happy and that was very clear after the game i'll start by reading steve kerr's quote i asked him if there's a temptation to play steph more minutes in these close games because you know the disparity tonight when he was off the floor kerr says 
Not for me. I'm into the long game. We're counting on Steph here for a long time. Many, many years. I'm not interested in grinding through this season, which is already a difficult season with all the COVID regulations and the nature of the games themselves in these eerie, empty stadiums. This is, for me, for our organization, we're not throwing Steph out there for 40 minutes to chase wins. We got another game tomorrow. We want Steph to be playing at a high level for many years, so we're going to stay disciplined and try to keep him at that 34-35 minute mark. Steve knows he can say this to the media, which is rare. I mean, it's it's part of the appeal of having Steph Curry as your star, right? I mean, like his willingness to, to go yeah. along. Um, and what he said, what Steph in his frustrating way did seem to agree with that idea of like, look, if we're not good enough, like we need to teach ourselves to be good enough and eventually be good enough where it can be like the past and I can play 35 minutes and we're going to win most games because we're good enough. Um, but they're not going to be this, like, what do you think of this approach? Because he is clearly I, at his peak right now, but they're basically, as an organization, going, doesn't matter. Well, as the guy who wrote the article saying that Steph Curry is a great value bet for MVP, I believe that Steve should increase Steph's minutes. As an objective observer, though, I completely agree with Steve and think that you keep the minutes to a reasonable number, maybe 33, maybe 34. Steph is not the most durable of players. And yes, this season is not about winning the championship. It just isn't. That's just that's just what it is. And I understand why everybody's frustrated um, from the fan perspective. I can see why the fans are frustrated. I think that they they might be overreacting sometimes or, you know, some of our friends and and colleagues might be overreacting because they want something better than what they're getting. But if you just look at the talent of this team, it's middling talent with Steph included and it's middling results. And I'm, I'm just not sure where are the expectations? That's what I want to know. What they can be mad about this game or that game, not going well, but I'm just wondering what do they think this team should be doing? Where should they be? Should they be a three seed, a four seed? And if so, what is the talent that justifies them being there, especially in this stretch right now where they don't have anybody large? And I'm not trying to be a Kerr apologist. I criticize certain decisions. I don't like certain choices. Uh, we've discussed it endlessly on, on Plus Minus. But I just don't understand what everybody else's expectations are for this team ever since Clay Thompson got hurt. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I think that... Well, so it reminds me a little bit of last year where Steph breaks the hand and then immediately everyone who understands the NBA is like, this is one of the worst teams in basketball. I mean, you're, you're in there in the media room looking up, you know, lottery highlights in like week three of the season, <laughs> lottery player. Highlights. It didn't help me see LaMelo coming, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, maybe if you play in call. Um, <laughs> but still, and, and it was like even going through that entire season, you knew where it was going. But if you actually take your mind back to the nights where, you know, they're in a close game at home against, you know, na the Pacers, name your team, the Raptors. Like there was still frustration with 
that moment, frustration with that coaching decision, frustration with that missed free throw late. And like, it's tough on a day-to-day basis to still absorb the losing, even if you understand the losing. Where like they're twelve and twelve, I think anyone rationally understands they're somewhere around a five hundred team. Maybe if stuff breaks right this year, they end the season seven games over five hundred. Maybe if stuff breaks wrong, they're seven games under five hundred. But they're generally in that whatever five seed to to nine seed range. It's just that it's hard for anybody particularly us, I mean, we're talking about it on a nightly basis, daily basis, and writing about it. Like, we still need to sift through the details and, and work through the mistakes and talk about this Draymond Green blunder late like it has any effect on the wider scope of the Warriors franchise, which it doesn't, right? A loss in San Antonio tonight doesn't, but yeah. we're still living through the day-to-day here, and I think yeah. that's where... And, and also there's, like, a background of what the Warriors used to be. So that just yeah. raises like nightly expectations. Well, and, and to be clear of certain players, if, if Draymond wasn't a little bit weathered off what he was at his peak, right. Then the expectations would rise. If he didn't look, if, if, if it didn't look difficult for him to hit those shots, I think the expectations would go up. It is interesting. That he's starting to block shots again. I think that's a positive sign. And if Ubre was playing better, I suppose, but I think what you want from this team is that they get to top 10 in defense. It looks like they are, they are on track to do that. I don't know what, what's happening as a result of this particular game. And then from there, I mean, I don't know. They just, they just really don't have shooting. They don't have a lot of shooting. It makes it very hard, uh, especially without Steph on the floor. And if you don't have shooting and you don't have size, that's where they're at right now with all their centers hurt. No shooting, no size. Curry does some miracle work. I, I don't agree with a lot of the takes on get just put the ball in his hands all the time. I, I think that that sounds cool and that sounds fun, but that that's going to, I mean, that's going to result in a lot of fatigue. I do think you need a balance. I do think that killing defenses from all different kinds of ways and the way they do is the way to do it. But their, their problem is mostly a lack of offensive talent. Again, I'm not trying, not trying to be a Kerr apologist on this one. I, I don't think that Kelly Oubre should have been starting. And even if he's starting to hit shots, I still would have favored including more shooting and having Damian Lee start. Um, and I do think the offense is overly complicated, especially at the beginning of the season. But when you just stand back and you look at the talent and you look at how many guys can reliably hit a contested three-point shot and you also look at how nobody is over the size of a wing out there, that's just a combo for bad. That's a bad offense combo. That's just not going to result in good offense. It's just not. No, you're right. Um, the center should be back soon. Wiseman probably either started the home center or, you know, he's going to miss this next Spurs game uh, tomorrow night. Um, but he's returning, which means he'll stop wearing these retro sweatshirts. He's wearing. Uh, he, he's wearing Cartman yeah, sweatshirt. You, you tweeted about friend. the South Park one. That was something uh, <laughs> that caught your eye. You were a fan of that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, well, it was just odd. I mean, then I was sitting there thinking – he wasn't alive when South Park started, and sure enough, he wasn't. 97 is when South Park uh, debuted, and he was born in 2001. Friends tonight, I don't remember what year Friends started. Um, what are you... What, what's, I haven't talked to you since they went super small. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it really worked right in that first Dallas game when they went no centers and suddenly they had their best offensive night of the year, 147 points. Yeah. Um, you saw the flaws of it, I would say, the last couple of days, particularly the second Dallas game. They just yeah. didn't defend. Yeah, it's, it's Steph saying that Wiseman should really be watching to see, so learn how to play off of it. I feel like if I'm Wiseman, maybe I'm going after these last two going like, what should I be learning? Like, what's the, <laughs> are you sure that you guys have it all figured out without me? Um, yeah. Are you or, or sorry? I cut you off. Were you going to ask? No, no, no. I, I'm just that general idea of like them. You know, Draymond at center. I mean, you mentioned Draymond's blocks. He has eight blocks the last few games. That's pretty much primarily because he's playing center. I, you know, I don't. Maybe he can still block shots when he has centers next to him. Better. I assume he will better than two blocks in 16 games. But um, and it, you know, 15 assists, 15 assists. I think he had 10 assists. Like there are some added benefits to them going small, but they're developing Wiseman who will be back later this week. Um, and how, how small do you think they should play even when James Wiseman's back? I guess is my question. Hmm. Um, I mean, I like going small. I'm, I'm a fan of it. Uh, it depends on the matchup. That's a very boring answer but it really depends on the team you're going against. And so, and I, I'm trying to think about it right now. Like, what do we even mean by going small at this point? I guess Pascal at center is definitely going small. It seems like that's really the only way they can find utility for him. So they're going to keep doing that. And I do think that this is going to be an important stretch for Wiseman when he comes back because they might not have a lot of other options. Um, and that just gives the season some juice. And I just want to see more Wiseman because if, if Kerr is legit and he really means it, that this season's not about winning necessarily, then let's see the Rook, man. Like let's 25 minutes a night, right? Yeah. Let's, let, let's see it. And it, it's interesting because, uh, the, the fans are restless. You know, it's a lot of LaMelo, a lot of LaMelo, uh, big games happening recently. Guess what? They play the Hornets twice uh, coming up in a, in a couple weeks. Oh, Just... that's gonna be that's gonna be good. That's gonna be really interesting, and it's it's also interesting to watch this from afar because I th- I think credit to anybody who was on the Lamelo uh, bandwagon beforehand, and we know a certain tall individual who uh, hosts a podcast named after him who might be on that particular tip but there are a lot of he's gonna be humble about it though he's gonna be real humble about it right (laughs) well but there are a lot of people uh who i don't think saw it coming and now are acting as though they did that they were so confident after shooting 37 percent in the australian league that that this is the thing and this is this whole other topic i think where people seem there are a lot of influential twitter follows warriors twitter follows who feel as though the Warriors didn't get the best player in the draft because it, he had to fit Steve Kerr's precious system. And I just don't think that's what happened. I don't think that's why no. what happened happened. I think Bob wanted to draft James Wiseman um, because for a myriad of reasons, and one of those reasons does include that LaMelo shot 37% in Australia. And LaMelo, I think, is showing that his talent is really what matters and he is just impressed and that's a massive credit to him but i don't think it was a situation where the warriors went we want to draft Lamelo so bad and steve won't let us he just won't let us i don't i don't think that's how that went down no it isn't um and also we'll see on wiseman you know he <laughs> remains a seven foot one gigantor who has 
I believe, 43 dunks before he got hurt already, and he's hit nine threes, and he's blocking a bunch of shots. Like, uh, if this, I mean, it's on the developmental staff. He's raw, we know. Um, but I think this is a three-year window of a project. Oh, yeah. That I mean, the, is tough to grade it until it's towards the end of year the, two, year three. Now, we'll we'll have a bunch of check-ins along the way. But, uh, you know, the there is remains a world where he becomes the best player in this no, draft. There also remains a world he's not. But Yeah. The draft classes, to me, it's almost like a long version of those Jumbotron races where you've got the little cars and you've got the green car and the yellow car. And like, oh, the yellow's in front. Oh, okay. Lamelo oh, no. takes the lead on the outside. Yeah. No, and it's now that's the red car. And oh, who is this Halliburton in the Kings uh, race <laughs> yeah. car? Yeah, exa- exactly. And I think there's a lot of that. And um, so it does require some patience but i'll tell you what i'm going to do right here if you'd oblige i think on the old house of strauss podcast maybe in anticipation for one of those hornets warriors games we have the tall man from dunked on and we have you we have me as a quasi moderator um and we just have it out about the draft and look back at it between those two guys wiseman Lamelo, maybe with some edwards mentions as well um i think that that's something we maybe should do i'm just floating that well, that's a tease for the listeners. Also, we have a Warriors Plus Minus coming up this week that I'm sure there will be somewhat of a conversation about that. And mm. the Warriors are 12 and 12. 12 and, and 12. They play the Spurs again coming up, which, you know. It's great. It's I, great from an analysis perspective. 12 and 12. Something always going wrong, something always going right. No question. <laughs> All right. We will talk to you on the Warriors Plus Minus Wednesday night. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.